The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Two Minute Warning Podcast right here on the Blogging the Boys Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. Your host, Dave Sturchio, alongside two of the premier writers of the bloggingboys.com. That's Tony Catalina, Aiden Davis. Guys, we're feeling a little bit better, right? Like we're not like we're not ready to jump off any bridges. We finally get ourselves a win. It's an ugly one at that. We could talk about all the details and this, uh, you know, the semantics of it, but Eight and four feeling pretty good, Aiden, right? I mean, like we were in this worrisome attitude for a little while now, but how, how are you feeling this morning? Yeah, I'm definitely less panicked now, but it wasn't pretty. I'm still not I'm there's aspects that I'm getting worried about, especially the offense, man. It's been this is post by this offense is just different, and it's really starting to worry me now. Tony, uh obviously execution is one thing, right? I mean it's it's one thing to to worry about execution from Dak and Zeke and the offensive line. Where are we standing with, with Kellen Moore right now? Like we, we watched a lot of the, the way I put it on my other, uh, my daily show on shop sports was that yesterday was the first time. And it was re- recording this on a Friday to drop on a Saturday. So when we say yesterday, it was game day. Um, do you think there was anything to the fact that Mike McCarthy wasn't there to kind of override anything and the and the the reins were given to Kellen Moore and that's the product he put on the field? Do you think it's Kellen Moore or more execution? Uh, you know, it, to me, it's always – I'm a little befuddled with the, some of the play calls, right? We're running in between the tackles, you know. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So, um, you, know, you know Ezekiel Elliott's banged up. You know he wasn't going to take himself off the field, but at what some at some point in time do you understand and say you know take it to the edge or maybe these early down runs up in between the tackles aren't working. Um, the Saints' defense is is pretty solid and they play the run well. So it, it I mean it's not like we were going against a bad defense that stopped us, but at the same time it could have been you know better play calls. It, it, you know it. Like like Aiden mentioned, I mean, and I don't apologize for wins. I'm happy, you know. I'm unapologetic about the wins here. But there is a lot to take from this. There's a lot to learn from it, and I'm just grateful for the the little mini buy because it might be some self reflection even in a win here. 
Now, do you think it's more like, I don't like using the word ignorance, but like we all know everybody can visually see that Zeke isn't right. You know what I mean? Like, and there was right. rumors going into this week that they might've even skipped this week completely. Do you think that carries over into the Washington week now where like we're, you know, not to get ahead of ourselves because we still want to break down the game, but like Washington's coming up division game. It could be like, as you're listening to this, it could be your Saturday or Sunday and the Washington football team have to go play the Raiders and the, the implications for next week could be a lot more if the Washington football team win that game, meaning we got to kind of have it. You know what I mean? Like eight and four is real. It's nice right now, but it's like it, we can't look ahead. You know what I mean? You got to focus on the now. Do you think it's more ignorance of just like, hey, we're paying all this money for this running back? And of course, that's the reason why you got to use them. Aiden, what do you think the actual percentage should be when it comes to you're a numbers guy or when it comes to usage of these two backs and given their skill set? Well, for this upcoming game, I'm saying 100% Tony Paul. I think Zeke needs to sit out unless unless he's just completely something's wrong with him. We he started the season a, honestly a great running back, the running back that we all hoped he'd be, and it looked mm -hmm. great there for a while. And then just something something's off now and I'm I'm willing to blame it on the injury if if he actually is injured, which I think he is, because he's running completely different. I mean, he's so, limping every other play. Exactly, and even on that that outside run, his that best his best run of the night towards the end of the game, it still it it kind of looked like he was struggling to pick up the yardage. So I just think Zeke for just for the team in general, he needs to take a week off so we can have him going into playoffs as the competent great runner that he started the season being do you think that this 10 days off or not technically off because obviously they'll get back to practice next week but do you think this 10 days is enough of rest for zeke elliott considering the fact that you know he he was playing on short rest heading into thanksgiving and then you play a normal week's rest uh you when you have another thursday game but now you can kind of sit back and relax for the next week and if if like, it wouldn't surprise me that if the Cowboys get back to practice on, let's just say, Tuesday, right? Which, that seems to be the trend right now. The, the, the little mini buy is going to work to their advantage. Maybe they get on a walkthrough type thing or meetings on Sunday or whatever. But, what like, physically, pads on, ready to rock, probably Tuesday. If Zeke were to sit out Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm pretty sure Zeke is the kind of running back that can only need a Thursday and a Friday walkthrough, and you're good to go for the game. I think this could be a full week off of Zeke. Is that enough, Tony? You know, I, the mini buy is going to be perfect. And I think it's going to be good for everybody, right? Because Amari Cooper is going to, you know, kind of get his win back, his conditioning back. Demarcus Lawrence played a little bit more than he thought he would. But beyond that, I think Ezekiel Elliott is going to benefit the most because they're going to start treating him like the veteran he is. They understand that he is a, a, an ultra competitive guy where I think if if it was completely up to the coaches, Ezekiel Elliott wouldn't have played. But Ezekiel Elliott is the type of guy that – no, you're not taking me out of this game. Like, and you know, I'm not sitting down. So, you know, we're coming into this Washington football game and you mentioned that, you know, if they win, it's tight, but I argue if, if they lose, it's, e it's even tighter because we can put them out and it could be night night for them if we beat them next week. So no matter what happens, um, this is a big game for the Cowboys. So I think they're better for having them out there, but you know, rifling, you know, getting off more wins and not to get ahead of ourselves here. But if they can pull off some wins, they might be able to sit Ezekiel Elliott and tell him, listen, we understand you're ultra competitive, but think about big picture. And it's a lot easier to think big picture when you start sewing things up.
Yeah, I mean, look, if if they can rattle off a couple wins in the next couple weeks, that the rest of December might look kind of like, all right, let's take it easy for a minute. You know what I mean? It's not take it easy, but at least for Zeke, you know, the, the rest is absolutely needed. Um, Aiden, now switching gears to the to the throwing of the football, our passing game, right? Dak Prescott, do you feel like he is the same quarterback since that calf injury? Because, I mean, there's still things. And, look, there's no bigger advocate, and I'll stand by this, for Dak Prescott than me, okay? I'm the biggest Dak apologist since rookie year, okay? Is there something going on with Dak Prescott? Is he in his own head? Because, again, there was a time last night where we all saw green pastures in front of him, and he decided to try to lace one in, and it was you know deflected. And then, obviously, the end, he's missing CeeDee Lamb on an out route, and then he a real bad pass on a fourth down call. And then, obviously, you have the interception. Are we okay going forward? Now we're eight and four. We're in, in sole possession and control of the NFC East. How confident on a, one, a scale of one to 10 that Dak Prescott's going to be able to get right and, and lead us to the promised land in which we've been waiting for longer than you've been alive? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I say seven. And I don't know. I hate to. So I'm somewhat confident. And I hate to keep making excuses because it seems like since the bye week, it's been nothing but excuses. It's, well, the Chiefs are an okay football team. The Broncos game was a fluke game. The Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb are out. Blah, well, of course, they're going to struggle. It's been nothing but excuses. And I hate to add on to it again, but the offense just seemed completely different. And especially Dak seemed completely different last night when Amari Cooper was on the field. And so I'm hoping that with a, when Amari Cooper can play the full game, he's not on a limited snap count. I'm, I think he only played something like 20 snaps last night, so he wasn't in there for the majority of the game. But I'm that's what at this point that's what I'm resting my confidence on because it's kind of like the Zeke situation where it's just something's just not something just seems a little off. And it's I'm it's not horrible. I Dak played all right last night ish. He played okay, not great, but. I, I'm I'm holding out hope on the fact that if you have Amari Cooper for the full game, that he gets back on track. Tony, you on the same page? Amari Cooper on the field, Dak's a better quarterback, or is it, or is there something else going on that we probably should kind of look into? I think it's a multitude of things, right? I mean, I I, I don't know if the injury necessarily is like a main concern. Uh, I think it more so might be a little bit of the continuity. He's out there, you know. He hasn't had the full array of wide receivers to throw at for a while now. And, you know, Amari Cooper's on a pitch count. And, you know, even C.D. Lamb on that fourth down play, they were just a little off. I think there's timing issues. I think there's a little bit of continuity. I mean, they haven't really had real practices due to COVID or injury or whatever the case may be. I mean, this football is, you know, as barbaric as it is, it takes some cohesion. It takes some working together to kind of put this together. So um, I think with the unit coming back and everybody kind of rolling in here, uh, I think we're going to see some cleaner, better football. I think the staff is going to get back to the drawing board a little bit. And I just think we're going, I'm fairly confident we're going to see a different unit moving forward. Yeah, well, speaking of unit, there was a, you know, uh, five of them, and that's uh, the all offensive line. They're all our, our units on the field. They're massive human beings. Now, look, I'm not trying to turn a victory podcast into a downer, but Aiden, when you look at this offensive line and the way they could not run the football against the Saints, and they couldn't really run the football against anybody in the last couple of weeks, really, like if you think about it overall, like, yes, there's a couple bursts where you're like, oh, we got it. Don't worry about it. You know, but are you... 
Are you okay with the five that they trotted out there last week? Now, Terrence Steele is more than likely going to get back off the COVID list this week, right? 10 days long and, and 10 days removed and blah, 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 all the rhetoric and all the, the, the health and safety protocols or whatever you got to follow. Terrence Steele will be available. Who is your offensive line that you, Aiden, are putting out there against the Washington football team? I'm putting the same offensive line out there that was on the field last night. I think we've talked about, you know what? No, I'm putting Connor Williams in for McGovern. I think I've, I, we've seen enough of that experiment. The running game's just better with Connor Williams. But other than that, I like Lyle Collins staying at tackle. I'm actually not too, I'm not blaming the rushing game last night on the offensive line because the Saints rushing defense is amazing. I it's the best rushing defense in football. And obviously the rushing game wasn't there last night, but it hasn't been there for teams that have played the Saints. So I'm actually, I wasn't too concerned with the rushing game last night. My concern was why we continued to run the football against this amazing rushing defense. But do, yeah, if do you, you ask, think, okay. I, I was just going to ask you guys, I, I don't know if you got this vibe yesterday too, during the game, you know, obviously we got Dan Quinn on the sidelines, right? We have this lead, right? we're trying to hold on to a lead. And we're passing the ball. Do you think he was getting 28 to three memories in his head where Kyle Shanahan decided to completely abandon the run and try to throw? And all of a sudden, this team, I was feeling like, oh my God, this guy's, he's going through it again. I, I don't know if you guys agree with the play calling. Uh, I'll go to Tony on this one. Play calling as a whole, uh, with the lead, without the lead, whatever, this offense with obviously Dan Quinn didn't have any input on the offense. This was all on Kellen Moore. So if you had to grade them A through F, how did the offense play last night and why? I would say a D and I would say it really starts with like the coaching staff. I mean, Kellen Moore, I mean, there was multiple, I think I mentioned it in our blog on the boys group chat that we're in. And I was just like, every time you think they're going to put this thing away, they, you know, they give the saints a little more life. Like, why are we throwing here? I mean, you've been running all game and you've been running into a brick wall all game, but like a brick wall run into a brick wall right now, will at least burn some time. So it's like, why, why deep into the fourth quarter, are we having a minute and seven second drives? Like this is, right. I mean, I thought that was ridiculous. And, um, I just think sometimes you you overthink things and I've mentioned it a couple of times. Like just keep it simple. Like you have the horses and yes, I understand that running into, you know, a wall is, is a challenge. I understand getting away from it in the first half and, you know, in the, in the first three quarters, that makes sense. But when you're protecting a lead, you don't have to be cute about it. Like you can just run the ball. You can, we've, they, they've already shown that the defense was capable that, you know, Taysom Hill was having issues when he was throwing the football and they were down. So at the end of the day, it's just, I, I, I had a lot of head scratch and play calls and moments in this where I'm just like, okay, I understand what you're doing, but I don't understand why you're doing it right now. Yeah. I, it seemed like a timing thing and it seemed like, yeah, every time you looked and we'll talk about the defense now, but like every time that the Cowboys forced a turnover, you know, one minute later, they were punting it right back to the Saints. And it was like, okay, well, can we do something with it until Carlos Watkins takes it into his own hands and does his own thing and rumbles his big behind all the way to score on a pick six. Now, flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, obviously, look, Taysom Hill is not in the upper echelon of quarterbacks in the NFL. We saw that. We saw his finger get busted up. We know he's de dealing with plantar fasciitis. So, obviously, he was hindered from the jump, right? But overall, Aiden, how do you think the defense performed in a game that was absolutely to us as, as Cowboys Nation and, of, of course, all of our staff at Blogging the Boys in a must-win situation? Do you feel like the defense not only, A, 
answer the call, but B, set themselves up for success going forward. Oh, absolutely. The defense last, I great. If you had made me grade him, I'd give him an A, A plus. I think I understand it's Taysom Hill. They're without so many of their offensive starters. I get that. But what you saw is the combination of, Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence set the tone from the beginning. They got to Taysom Hill, obviously hit his hand on Armstrong, but he was just rattled all game. Like he was either taking the ball and literally just running straight up the gut after he got the snap, or he was in the pocket running for his life and scared. And I I'm, I'm really encouraged by the combination of Micah and Demarcus now, because I think Dan Quinn knows how to use them and, I think that's the success we saw last night. I don't think it's all facing a bad Saints offense. Yeah, and they don't even have their full complement of guys. You know, Randy Gregory on his way back, Neville Galmore on his way back, Tristan Hill returns from his one-game bogus suspension. You know, there's there's a lot of a lot of guys coming back for this Cowboys defense. And I ask you, Tony, where do you rank this Cowboys defense in the NFL? I mean, look, last night, yes, the Saints just couldn't get it going. The only thing they did was get diced up, you know, the Cowboys defense diced up a little bit with Taysom Hill running, which leads me to nausea when I'm thinking about playing Kyler Murray. <laughs> but, like, you know, a guy like Taysom Hill, who's more of a Tebow type, put your shoulder down and obviously leap over guys, which is, again, a- amazing when it comes to athletic ability. Uh, by the way, <laughs> not, not to knock on any other publication or Twitter or anything like that, or but did you guys see what <laughs> Pro Football Focus put out, uh, the highlight of him leaping? Yes. Did you see what I wrote? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The Pro Football Focus puts out a tweet. Uh, Aiden, if you missed it, this is what it was. They put out a tweet of the leap play, right, where he leaps over, uh, I think it was either Curse or Casey, right? Or even Jordan Lewis. I forget who it was. But um, he leaps over him, and the, the caption of Pro Football Focus was, what can't Taysom Hill do? And I, I replied, <laughs> throw? You know, like, he can't, he can't throw? I don't know. Like, he can't win this game? I don't know. Like, what, what, do you want the list to go on and on? But I digress with that. I, wanna, I, won't, I won't pick a fight with the Saints right now because they've definitely beat us up over the last couple of years, and I'm not even about to touch that. But when you look at this defense as a whole, um, where exactly like, – I don't want to like dismiss the Saints, right? The Saints are still a, a competent team. They're an NFL team. They're they're good. But now when you have to look at what we just dealt with on the ground, right? Where does your worry level start to come in when you have a Gibson coming your way? Like Ty- Taylor Heineke is one of those guys that will run when called upon, but there won't be any design runs for Taylor Heineke, right? There are there is a really really good running back who has ruined us in the past so far in Antonio Gibson. Tony, your level of worry of the run defense in particular, because we saw a lot of turnovers. We saw the picks. We saw digs. We saw uh, amazing toe-drag swag at the end zone, which I, I believe was the turning point of the entire game. But, like, when you look at this run defense, are we just missing some pieces because of injury, or is this what we're offering as a running defense? I, I mean, I think it, the way you kind of you asked the first question, like, where is this defensive unit? You know, I think I don't think we're a top 10 unit. I think I think this top 10 unit potential and it, it starts with what comes in to help protect and uh, play the run. Right. With Demarcus Lawrence back, he's going to be off a of pitch count eventually. You know, Randy Gregory coming back, Neville Gallimore. Um, you're having um, Michael Parsons play some more linebacker, which will help the second level in the running game a little bit. So there's just I think my worrisome with. Gibson and now the Saints 
are unique in the sense that I don't know if you'll ever face another team that is going to just run QB power, a QB sweep, right? So that's a different challenge. Oh, we were playing a high itself. school team. Right. I mean, you, you only see that out of a dual, you know, a both sides of the ball athlete playing in a high school game. But, um, it, you know, this is more traditional running. I think, you know, with Demarcus Lawrence back and some of the guys like we mentioned earlier coming back, this unit can stop the run. I mean, at this point, you got to understand everything we've kind of seen to this point is, uh, you know, a sample size, but it's not the full picture. So to, to, to think that this is the finished product or this is what we are, we're going to struggle with the run or this and that, it's, I don't buy into that. I think that um, we're going to see what we got coming up in the next couple of weeks because there's some good running backs coming in. But, um, yeah, I think this team can stop the run and it'll start this week. Aiden, you, you share the same uh, same thoughts as Tony there as far as the run defense is concerned? Yeah, I'm not too worried. I think that getting Gregory back, exactly as Tony said, means you can move Micah more to inside linebacker, outside linebacker, however you want to use him at linebacker. Also, Neville Galmore coming back, I am I think that's going to be a big addition. I actually, I have a question for y'all, and I've been thinking about this all night. The roles have been reversed, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Aiden's about to spit fire here. Go ahead. <laughs> Wow, he it's said he had a question and he froze. Sorry. Well, hold on, hold on, Aiden. There you are. You're back. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Is the de- is the defense better than the offense at this point? If if Oof. I told you going into the playoffs, one of our units was going to carry us to the Super Bowl, who would you have more faith in that being? The defense or the offense? I'll I'll just start by saying that there is an age old quote that says defense wins championships. You know what I mean? And and while I, I think that the offense is capable of doing things right now, the better unit is our defense. Tony, you agree? hundred percent. Like um, I think I mentioned it during the chiefs game. I'm like, at one point we were saying, okay, the offense is going to keep us in this game. You know, the defense is going to have to hold up their end and ended up being reversed in actuality. It was like the defense keep running in. When is the offense going to bring in, you know, and hold their end of the bargain. So you hit the head, you hit the nail on the head there. Defense win championship, and that's why I'm excited because I don't think we've seen the full potential of this defensive unit just yet. Yeah, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Now, I, I do want to ask you guys a question. Not that it was ever I, – I don't know if you guys read into this at all like I did, but there was there there was, there was was people out there that said, you know, with Dan Quinn stepping in as head coach, that the Cowboys were better off. You know, like they were going to have a better game as with a different head coach outside of Mike McCarthy. Aiden, do you buy into this at all? Like, do I think that it happened? No, I'm saying, do you buy into the fact that this team is a better team without Mike McCarthy as its head coach? No, not in the slightest. Also, you've got to take into account the fact that Dan Quinn had to run the defense and play head coach, and you don't want one guy doing both of those things. Now, he did a good job at both of those. I'll give it to you. But once again, this was a bad well, Saints team. In, in that and... defense, there are there are guys out there that that kind of do that. You know what I mean? Like, just think about the, the head coaches that call the offensive plays. They're doing it all. So, I mean, like, it's not like Quinn was incapable of doing it. I think, I, yes, I mean, I think the biggest adjustment, honestly, for Dan Quinn was coming out of the booth and then seeing it from a live field level. That's the problem. He can't see the coverage is he can't see, you know what I mean? Like, unless you're giving him the tablet the entire time saying like, Hey coach here, here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another one. You know, like I think Dan Quinn for what it's worth did a fantastic job last night, managing both sides of the, you know, defense and offense, but it did worry me 
uh, on the Kellen Moore front, like I said to you guys earlier, usually I think that if Kellen Moore says, let's just let's just make up a play. Let's just say Hail Mary, right? Kellen Moore's like, well, it's time for the Hail Mary, right? And he calls that in Dak's headset. There is a there is a fraction of 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 interruption by one Mike McCarthy who could say, What are you nuts? Like, we're not doing that. Change it. Give me a second play. Okay, here's the second play. Like he has that that ability to change something if he doesn't agree. Last night, the, the reins were taken off. Kellen Moore called this entire offensive game, and that scares the crap out of me because there was times where I'm just like, wait, why are we not th- like you gotta throw? There's so much I can go and go and go, right? I leave this up to Tony. Do you guys think, or both of you guys, with your opinion, with the coordinators the way they are right now, is there anybody holding us back from being the championship team that we all hope we can be? Tony, I'll start with you. Is there anything on this coaching staff in particular that you're kind of like, we could win the Super Bowl, but we still got this guy at X coach and we can't, we won't be able to overcome that? The short answer for me is no. I mean, I think nothing is overly detrimental to the fact that they should stop us from getting to where the goal is or what um, you know, what they can achieve. But I think the narrative on Kellen Morris changed a little bit. He was boy wonder, he was the next head coach, he wasn't gonna be here. Let's just take it in while he's still here. But I, you know, low-key thinking big picture, because this whole season has been thinking about big picture. We, you know, we're back on the winning side of things. We're eight and four, fully in control of the division. And I kind of like where we're at in the sense that he's going to get back to the drawing board. I mean, they're going to talk about the questionable, some some questionable play calls. They're going to talk about getting some continuity back. And I think he's going to literally just get back in the lab and kind of just get back to like what works. You know, what did what were we doing that we were six and one? You know, I really don't believe that, you know, the Denver Broncos found the, the you know, the remedy to stop Kellen Moore's offense. I think realistically, it's just a multitude of different things. And I'm excited for the fact that what we're seeing now doesn't have to be the definite final product. I think we have plenty of time to figure it out on both sides of the ball. So, you know, I think we're in a chance to get hot here and it could be for a multitude of different reasons. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Aiden, going into the final five games of the NFL season, right? You are now Aiden McCarthy, right? You were the head coach of the football team. Not the not that football team, our football team, the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. You're not the Washington coach. You're looking at these final five games. What is the what what is the recipe? What, what do we have to do well and what do we have to kind of just get by with to have a successful rest of the season? Right now we're eight and four, right? And it would take an absolute catastrophic collapse to not win the NFC East, right? 
how do we get to the next level? How do we get to the first NFC championship game than we've ever had or that we haven't seen since 95? How do we get there? What is the recipe to success for this team going forward? I think the recipe to success is you let Dan Quinn just do his thing. Obviously, we've seen you can trust the defense. Just let Dan Quinn do his thing. I'd really like, and this is what Tony was saying. I'd really have tell Kellamore just spend the entire 10 days just studying the begin pre-buy and the post-buy. Figure out what's different because you have three completely beatable defenses coming up. You have two football team games, which they haven't been all that special this year i know they picked up a little bit and then you have a giants defense there's a dak realistically dak in this offense could hang 40 on them if we see the kellen moore that we saw pre-buy and i think that'd be huge for confidence going into the cardinals game the eagles game and then playoffs so that's what i'm focusing i'm just saying use these next three games get right because they're completely beatable defenses all right tony he says get right what's wrong what went wrong? Like, like he's saying, get back to what we were doing right. What exactly went wrong? If you can pinpoint it, you know, going into these last five games, what do we have to fix? Major, like, what do we majorly have to fix? I mean, there's things that are kind of writing themselves, like the defense. We're, we're kind of, you know, if we could just stop the run a little better, we know we can be an elite defense. When you look at this team as a whole, you know, what went wrong here? Are you blaming anybody in specific? Are you kind of leaning towards the fact that, like, well, you know, Dak ain't right. He's he's still kind of banged up. Where 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 did we go wrong from seven and one to eight and four? You know, to me, I think it's, you know, it's I don't think it's as complex as you you know, we have to. I know it's not gonna be big headlines and we're not gonna, you know, we're not ESPN or whoever trying to make you know, a bit push a narrative here. I think it's just the attrition of the season. You know, they've dealt with some COVID issues, um, they've dealt with some injuries. They've I mean, even this week was a challenge with all the coaches out and some players missing. So I just think the ebbs and flows of a year, this is kind of just what happens. You go on runs, you you kind of go slumping a little bit, you, you feel yourself in the Denver Broncos game and you get beat so it's just week by week has just been its own different animal so to get right I think you know you you got to have some of the continuity back right now they're going to have the three wide receivers Amari Cooper's coming back you hopefully get Ezekiel Elliott with his knee better Tony Pollard's having a bigger role you know when is Blake Jarwin coming back then you have your full assortment of offensive weapons now you're finally going to have your five offensive linemen out there consistently which is you know what five different combinations this year so the real the, this the fact of the matter is i don't think you can pinpoint it to one specific thing and if it was one specific thing i don't know if i would love that just because you don't want a glaring weakness you understand right. that things happen the season is very long i mean longer than it's ever been right so now we're going into uh, a pivotal moment against some division opponents that we can really, you know, put this thing to bed. And, you know, and, and I'm the game. I love the fact that we won this game and still learn lessons from it. We're sitting here. We're not all, you know, rainbows and sunshine after this game. We took a win and we still have a lot to digest. And that's kind of just what this season's been like. And, and, you know, the bottom line is we're eight and four with everything in front of us. So you got to feel pretty good about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I don't want to preview the Washington football team game too much because that's exactly what we do and we're going to give our predictions next week because we finally get a Sunday game again ladies and gentlemen you know no more of this Thursday crap I can't take it anymore um, but I, I do want to get one more thing uh, just kind of like to discuss or kind of give your not so much bold prediction your actual accurate predictions of what can happen here there's five games left right 
let's just say as people listen to this, it could be Saturday or Sunday or even even early Monday, right? Let's just give the Cardinals a win this week because they play the Bears, right? Let's just give the the Washington football team. Uh, no, not even Washington football team. I'm talking about now conference, actually. Green Bay doesn't play, so we don't have to worry about them. And Tampa Bay plays Atlanta, right? So everybody's going to more than likely be either 10 and 2 and then 9 and 3. And we're going to be sitting at 8 and 4 as the four seed, right? So as much as people have been talking about how the number one seed is no longer in the conversation for the Dallas Cowboys, right? With the Cardinals on the schedule, Aiden, I'll go to you first. Can this Cowboys team at eight and four get that one seed still? I mean, they can, but it would take like, I don't know if you guys saw the CBS thing where it showed like what the lion, what it would take for the Lions to make the play. I actually, you know, it's funny you bring that up. I feel bad uh, for that unpaid intern that probably had to do that, which is garbage <laughs> on their behalf. Go pay that man his extra overtime for putting all that crap together. But go ahead. Yes. Yeah, it's like that. We're like, sure, it could happen, but it's it's just going to take a laundry list of things. And like, but is it, it though? Stood- is it though? Not to cut you off, but is it? Because right now. Right. Let's just say the Cardinals win. We'll be down two games of the Cardinals with five to go, including one game against the Cardinals. You're telling me they can't slip up somewhere along the line and we pick them off in week 17 and and get the one. I think. But the issue with that is then the Packers would need to drop a few games and the Bucs have the tiebreaker. It could happen. It could happen. Uh, listen, I'm not trying to be overly optimistic, but I'm just saying, like, uh, you know, they took the Cowboys, based off their November skid, they took the Cowboys completely out of that conversation. And then when I'm now I'm looking at the records and I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like, we're one game behind the Packers and the Bucks, And I know the Bucks got a win over us, which I, ultimately is the big thing. But, like, common opponents is a thing. And we got the legend known as Cooper Rush took out the Vikings and the, and the and, and Aaron Rodgers had some trouble. You know what I mean? So there's there's different factors that we could talk about. Going into last night, to kind of give some numbers to this, going into last night, we had a 5% chance to get the one seed. We had like a 54% chance to take the four seed. So, sure, yeah, it can happen. 5% is definitely it's, <laughs> he's it's playing larger the role than of, zero. You know, probably, he's, he's playing the role of that little kid from Angels in the Outfield. And I know, I don't know if anybody, if Aiden's even old enough to understand, but I know Tony will. Uh, yep. It could happen, right? Tony, your confidence level, we got five games to go. Four of them are division games. So, obviously, you would think that they control their own as far as getting out of the NFC East. Where do you see the Cowboys finishing here? Like, with the teams that are on the schedule, to me, we got five to go. I want three. I want three wins and finish 11 and six. That is, like, my basement, and that'll get you the four, more than likely, right? That'll get you the four seed. We'll play either the Niners or or the Rams or whoever, but we'll be the four seed. Do you think that that's a a low floor? Do you think that, like, we can get hot and, and rip off six straight to end the year like how do you feel going in to the rest of the season i mean you you kind of said it for me it's the floor i think anything less than 11 and 6 would be a real issue on my on, you know as far as i'm concerned i think 11 and 6 is kind of what the baseline should be i think 12 and 5 is realistic um pre preseason i thought 13 and 4 but they would have to win out and you know it's you know the nfl it's a funny game it's a, it's a funny league um you know, but 12 and five could get you that three seed, you know, 12 and five could get you that. And, and that would be enough. And then you look at, you know, I, we're playing division opponents pretty much from here on out until, unless the Arizona game, every one of those games are winnable, right? Let's take care of the, you know, the division opponents. Those are familiar foes that we know, you know, just being 
flat out blunt about it that we're a better football team. If we come out and play our game, we should come out of there with wins. Then you sit in there and you analyze where you're at against Arizona in week 17. And you're saying, what do they have to play for? Where we look at in the standings, and that'll kind of dictate what that game is. I mean, maybe you catch, you know, Arizona slipping based on what they perceive as a big game, or maybe mm-hmm. it's, you know, maybe we are sitting there and it's like, wow, this could be for the one seed. You just there's so many different factors in the play, and I know it's five games, and it's still over a month to go. Um, but I, yeah, eleven to six is the absolute floor. Twelve and five feels realistic to me, and we'll see what happens from here on out. All right. We'll see what kind of, uh, you know, kind of guys we get back over the next course of the next 10 days. We'll see if Gregory's a full go. We'll see if Gallimore's a full go. We got guys still coming back. Imagine that. Uh, we also have decisions to make on the offensive line. Like, is the Connor uh, McGovern experiment over? Is the Connor Williams thing going to happen again? Did he do enough? You know, like, um, I felt so bad. I don't know if you guys watch or see uh, Dallas Cowboys Instagram. But, like, they showed, like, my cause, my cleats for a couple of the guys. If you just scroll, you see the cause of cleats. One of them was Connor Williams, and I'm like, this poor guy's not even going to be able to get on the field <laughs> to show his cleats, you know? <laughs> I was like, God damn, that stinks. Um, all right, so putting a bow on week 13, the Dallas Cowboys are 8-4. and four. One more thought about the Saints, and it's a game ball. I want to give game balls out on this episode. Next week, we'll be doing the two-minute warning, obviously, on a normal day with a normal prediction, and we'll talk about the Washington football team. But if you had to pick one guy to give a game ball to off of this win, Tony, we'll start with you. Who's this game ball going to? I think the low-hanging fruit is Micah Parsons. I mean, the kid is just an absolute stud. And, you know, I was nervous to bring it into conversation but because I've seen it thrown around and it made me scared. But the Lawrence Taylor stuff, is it's crazy to say, but like the kid, ha- the kid, whatever it is, he has. But to to avoid the low hanging fruit, I want to say Demarcus Lawrence. I mean, my man had six pressures. He came into this game. Um, it made an instant impact. Now it's it was kind of just his career as a nutshell. He didn't get home, but he definitely you know made his impact felt on the game in a limited way. He's waiting to get the governor off, and he's just an absolute stud. And they're so much better for having him on the field. Which I'm so, I'm so like, there was some people that like, I, I tweet a lot about Micah Parsons, right? I'm, I'm singing his praises up and down and he is the low hanging fruit of this week because he played. I, I think the it thing is his motor. Like the motor just doesn't stop. He's just constantly go, 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 go. But I'm so tired of this narrative that you're painting against Demarcus Lawrence because he doesn't have sack numbers like the rest of the edge rushers in the league. This guy does so much more on the field. You saw it in the opening drive. You saw it with the I thought it was a fumble. I still think it's a fumble, you know, with the the hand just didn't seem to to me. It didn't go forward. I don't know. Maybe I'm just looking at it wrong. But Demarcus Lawrence with his six pressures. That's opening up everything else. You know what I mean? So let's not, can we just get off? And I'm not, I'm not blaming you two. I'm saying like in general, like the narrative is, well, you know, we're paying him all this money. We need sex. And like, there's just so much more that goes into playing defensive end. You know what I mean? And I, I think that's, that's where I stand on Demarcus Lawrence. Good game ball there. Aiden, who's yours going to? I'm giving it to curse. This guy, he has been an amazing player all year, but because Micah is doing so well, because Trayvon's getting the interceptions, he hasn't really gotten much recognition, but I, I kids, uh, that he's a beast. And I love the signing. Once again, Will McClay, hats off. I, I, nobody really our safeties to be that deep. And now even with Donovan Wilson out, our safeties are still looking great. So... Yeah, hats off to Curse. I give a secondary game ball to Dan Quinn just 
filling the role of head coach and yet still having your defense play amazing, that'd be a secondary game ball. You steal, you're stealing my thunder, bro. You're stealing my thunder. I was going to go that <laughs> route, but now it's fine. I have a couple backups <laughs> in my head. But yes, going back to uh, you know, Curse and that signing, when is the last time, if ever, since Darren Woodson, can we say like, man, we're deep at safety? We like we're we weren't. <laughs> And you can't even call the Roy Williams days deep and safe because even he pissed us off to no end on, on certain plays. And he's literally the reason why there's a horse collar tackle penalty. Um, but anyway, and uh, getting away from that, my game ball was going to go to Dan Quinn. And I almost was going to give it to a, a uh, Carlos Watkins for what he did. You know, like, again, pick six. Great, great, great. But for the sake of blogging the boys. For the sake of this network in particular, for the sake of all that hard work you did, Aiden, on all your graphics on Tuesday, my game ball is going to Greg the Leg Zerline for not missing anything this past week. (laughs) We buried this man alive, okay? Literally told him, don't come back if you miss another field goal. He answered the call, and look, I know it has no bearing on the actual outcome of this game in particular, but... My man answered us. He said, Aiden, take your analytics and <laughs> shove them where the sun don't shine, bro. <laughs> that that 55-yarder in the first quarter, I was, like, turned around. I did not want to watch. I was like, surely this is a miss, right? It's early in the game, and it's a long field goal. But, right. you know, hats off to Greg Zerline. I'm wrong for an, at least another week. Yuck, and shout out to our former brethren, uh, Brett Maher for missing a field goal in in his best Brett Maher impersonation. He did it again uh, in early on in the game. Obviously, we'll all like we'll be singing a different tune if if Zerline misses his first attempt against the Washington football team. We'll be like, I told you he was garbage. Uh, but like, there, there's just something to be said about what we all did this week, and that was just like hammered down on Greg Zerline. So Zerline picks himself up. The Dallas Cowboys pick themselves up. They moved to eight and four. They are now still remains, which hasn't really looked back since week two, uh, is in firm control of the NFC East. We control our own destiny as far as that is concerned. Uh, There's a lot of football to be played. Five weeks is over a month left. Uh, We start December with a win. Tony Catalina, your final thoughts of this week before we head into another division opponent. That's what you needed to do. You know, everything stacked against you with the coaching staff. There was a lot of reasons to have excuses, to talk about this, talk about that. You go into a tough road environment. You pull out a win, right? doesn't have to be good. doesn't have to be pretty. Just get the W. Now we're back on the right side of things. Everything out in front of you, playing against the football team we know well. The deck is, you know, carved up for years now. So I think we're back on the on the right track here. And let's see if we can get a little run, winning streak going on. Aiden, your final thoughts on week 13. I just we have I don't think we're gonna enjoy it as much as we should because coming into this game, the Cowboys were only four and a half point favorites. This everybody on the Blogging the Boys podcast network predicted a close game. And outs like I know it wasn't exactly a garbage touchdown, but the Cowboys were up 17 points at the end of that game. And if you had told me that if you had told me before the week started that the Cowboys would win 27 to 17, I'd be like sweet back on track and so i understand extenuating circumstances there's a lot that went into that but 10 point win you know what i think we should enjoy it 
All right, let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy this week's slate of football. We'll be rooting heavily for the Las Vegas Raiders and the New York Jets and and the Miami Dolphins and all these teams that are in the NFC East are playing our our, uh, our guys over here in the NFC East. But the Cowboys are waiting for a big win, a victory podcast, which is always better than the other way. Um, so, yeah, with that, for Dave Sturgeo, Aiden Davis, and, of course, Tony Catalina of bloggingtheboys.com, courtesy of the Blogging the Boys podcast network. This has been another episode of the Two Minute Warning Podcast. We will see you guys next week. Let's enjoy this week of football. Let's enjoy this win, and we'll get ourselves back on track to predict the Washington football team game next week. 